When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Project Thumping Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode of the show, we're talking Pike Gear with Brent Pike. And we have got one heck of a giveaway for you. Stay tuned for details. Thanks for tuning in to episode number Project Up and Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. And by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get the most out of your dog, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubasportydog.com. And by CZUSA Shotguns, shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, from the Bob White and Sharptail side-by-sides, to the Upland Ultralight, Wing Shooter Elite, Over and Unders, and the new CZUSA Project Upland Crowdsource Shotgun. They've got pumps, they've got semi-autos, CZUSA has a shotgun for you. If you're in the market for your next Upland Bird Gun, head over to CZ-USA.com to learn more. And by Garmin. 
makers of dog training, tracking, navigational products, some of the best in the business. And don't forget, for the next couple of days through the month of April, you can still get a Garmin Zero S1 for 20% off. And just an FYI, we are giving one away on today's episode. More to come on that shortly. And by Sage and Breaker, makers of gun cleaning products that protect legacies. The legacy of your firearm, the legacy of the sport, and the legacy of passing both down to future generations. Sage and Breaker lives, breathes, and makes everything at the highest caliber possible. And they are proud to pass that caliber of craftsmanship on to you. Learn more at sageandbreaker.com. And finally, by Dakota 283 Kennels. Unparalleled protection, one-piece rotomole design, frame steel door, and the new Dakota Guard, an FDA and EPA-approved antimicrobial additive. Just another way Dakota 283 is committed to keeping your pet safe. Learn more and find your next kennel at dakota283.com. All right, in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Brent Pike of Pike Gear, talking all things Pike Gear, innovation, designs, what he's currently offering, what he's working on, Pike Gear story, everything you want to know about Pike Gear coming up with Brent. But first, we're going to drop into the Project Upland Podcast listener inbox, and I've got some giveaway-related stuff for you. First, to the inbox we go. This week, we hear from Mike in Maine. Mike writes, Hi, Nick. We are lifelong Upland hunters who began a guide service in Maine. You can find us at maineupland.com. Jerry Havel of Pine Ridge Grouse Camp is currently who I've been reaching out to for advice on our new guide service because he is one of the best as far as I'm concerned. Like Pine Ridge, our camp is based on tradition, good dogs, good scotch, and good doubles. We host four hunters max because we are trying to keep this a small boutique operation. We own 57 acres in Maine's Enchanted Pond Wilderness and maintain a newly renovated off-grid camp with all the comforts at home. If you would ever like to come and hunt with us, we would love to have you talk all things Upland. We've got some serious bird hunting in Maine. Consider visiting us. Thanks for what you do. We love the show. Mike, thanks for writing in. Appreciate it, man. If you love the show, please leave us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app, send us some feedback, send us an email, tell me a hunting story at the Project Upland Podcast inbox. Email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. All right, before I announce today's giveaway, I got to announce a winner from a giveaway from a couple of weeks ago. Upland Gun Company, if you've been listening, following along, offered a free gun fitting. The winner of that is Jackson from Kentucky. I've already reached out to Jackson. Connected him with Jerry and Dan over at Upland Gun Company. He's going to go get fit. And someday soon, he might have a new double gun from Upland Gun Company. Thanks, Jackson. Thanks to everybody that participated in that giveaway. Now for today's giveaway. The Upland Gun Company giveaway was pretty good. Today's giveaway is really good. We've got a Garmin Zero S1 clay shooting target trainer. 20% off right now. Normally 1000 bucks. And courtesy of our guest today, Brent Pike, we got a Pike Gear Wingman Vest. One lucky winner is going to take home a Garmin Zero S1 and a Pike Gear Wingman Vest. That's a lot of gear. All you got to do is find this episode on the ProjectUpland.com website. Look for the Project Upland podcast, Pike Gear episode. I'll make it as obvious as I can. Enter the giveaway. Click that link. Answer a question or two. Leave us your email. And in a couple of weeks, I will use my random number generator, pull one submission, and that lucky person will be the winner of a Garmin Zero S1 and a Pike Gear Wingman Vest. 
Best of luck, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And with that said, let's welcome into the conversation and onto the Project Open podcast from Pike Gear, Mr. Brent Pike. We're ready to go. Brent Pike, welcome to the Project Open podcast. Thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Nick. We've uh, been chatting for a few years on various things, so it's uh, good to finally join you on the, uh, the Project Open podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with me and the listeners. And man, it feels like it was definitely a couple of years ago when you were just getting underway. I remember you had your first booth at Pheasant Fest. That was down in Chicago, right? Yeah, that was uh, two years ago. And uh, it's funny, it May will be year three that I've actually been incorporated. Um, yep. You know, obviously, I had a few years before that that I was dinking around and doing some things and stuff like that. And, you know, so, but, you know, then I finally decided in, you know, May of, so I've been 2019, I guess, it was, no, 2018, May, May of 2018, uh, that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this thing, you know? And then, yeah, then we, you know, had the booth down at, uh, down at Pheasant Fest in Schaumburg. And then uh, last year, which has been 2020, we were out in uh, Minneapolis and uh, we obviously got hosed this year with uh, COVID yep. and uh, hope to be back. I think we're, is it Omaha, Nebraska? I believe that it is next year. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. So hopefully that'll uh, go off without a hitch next year. I think we're, uh, you know, here in Michigan, we've got a big surge going on, but you know, I think, uh, you know, the rest of the country is kind of trending in the right direction, get enough people vaccinated, get enough people that have had it. And, you yeah. know, hopefully people feel comfortable get out to do that type of stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, what uh, we're definitely going to talk Pike. I would imagine the listeners of the show will have definitely picked up on some of the Pike Gear story and and caught up on some of that over the years. But we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. But what's been keeping you busy this spring? Uh, you know, just actually working on stuff for next year already. I mean, we've uh, spent the last few days working with uh, uh, our glove manufacturer. Come out, we got a couple new gloves that we're working on for next year that uh, cool. are really sweet, and uh, we've got a couple other new surprises that we're, we're really hoping to get in this fall. But Again, we, we've had run into some issues with COVID as far as a getting sure. some stuff shipped in. I mean, most of our most of the really good fabric is is made overseas, so a lot of our our fabric comes from overseas. And you know, we've we've been able to get it made, and you know, getting some of that stuff to come in has been a bit of a challenge. I mean, just for I'll just kind of throw this out there: one of our our fabrics, you know, we we order you know fifteen hundred yards of it at a time. And, you know, last year it was $1,500 to get it shipped in. This year it's $5,000 to get it shipped in. So it's like, wow. oh man, you know, obviously we didn't, we didn't budget for, for some of that stuff. So we're trying to work around some of those things and maybe, you know, maybe we're going to get a little bit of it shipped in early and then just do the rest via ocean freight to, to keep the cost down. So, you know, and in our, our manufacturing site, we've had a couple of, you know, COVID positive cases in the family, which has kept people out. And so we're, <laughs> you know, Struggling just like everybody else in that stuff. Right. And the good news is, is, you know, we're, you know, we got people working every day of the week, you know, build as much stuff as we possibly can. And, you know, we're hoping to be able to deliver it to everybody that wants stuff this fall. I mean, I, I I'm quite certain we're going to run out of stuff. Um, you know, I think we've ordered enough fabric to, to be able to keep things going. If it's just a matter of whether we can make enough of the stuff to, to keep things going, but we'll do our best. And that's, you know, being made in the USA, we can, you know, we'll continue to make stuff. I mean, a lot of the big companies, you know, they, they order their stuff for 2021. They ordered it last August, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll get delivered this August. And when they sell out of it, they sell out of it. And if they don't, they don't. And it, it just is what it is. You know, we can continue to keep keep manufacturing so we can at least keep replenishing our, our stuff on a weekly basis. Um, yeah. You know, that being said, you know, if you run out of a Tongas pant a size 34, those might not be on the docket for 
you know, sure. three or four weeks to get built again. So, I mean, that's just the the thing that we'll, we'll run into, but you know, it is what it is. And we're just going to keep on build as much stuff as we can. And hopefully people keep buying as much as they can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, the website still works. That's good. The lights are the lights are on. And is is there anything currently out of stock? We'll talk about the the product lineup later. But is there anything like out right now? Yeah, we're out of our. our we've got a couple Kiowa shirts and a couple Tongas shirts uh, left yeah. in stock. But 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 that's about it right now. I mean, uh, there that's the fabric that we've got coming in right now. So we'll have plenty built by this fall. Um, you know, we should have those all replenished by you know early July and we'll continue to keep making it. Um, but you know, we've got lots of pants in stock right now. We're, you know, building as many vests as we possibly can. I mean, the, the, the demand for our vests has just been unbelievable. You know, we just kind of built it as, you know, eh, we need, you know, we're an upland company. We got to have a vest and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's amazing, you know, cause I mean, how often do people seriously buy a vest? You right. know, you, you, especially you, in a good one too, you know? Right. Right. I mean, I bought a Wingworks vest 10 years ago Yep. And if if I didn't have my own vest company, I I wouldn't have another one. I mean, I, I mean, I I like yep. ours better, but I mean, that's a I mean, it's it's bomb proof. I mean, just like you know, everybody else that makes vests, they, everybody makes good vests. I mean, there's all, especially all the American-made companies. You know, I mean, there's you know, I think three or four of us that make it, you know, in the USA, and and they're top quality vests. And you know, you're gonna buy one, and hopefully, you know, you're gonna keep it for 10, 15 years. And you know, I mean, unless something better comes out, that's that's, that's it. You know, I mean, there's no reason to buy a new one unless you, you, you know, you like something new about the new ones that are out there. So. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. That's, that's been, I mean, to the benefit of the consumer there, there was the wing works and I've, I've got a, well, like an eight year old wing works hanging over on my shelf here next to me. And again, had I not had an opportunity to try one of these new ones, I'd still be wearing that thing. But as I was getting to like the benefit of the consumers, like they now have a choice to buy, whether it's the Pike gear or one of the other ones, like there's a bunch of high quality vests on the market. And yeah, that is a, it's going to be a buy once cry once thing because they're, they are top quality. They they really are. You know, I mean, it's, you know, the, the guys that are building them are, you know, bird hunters, you know, it's not some, uh, you know, designer sitting in a, in an office in New York city. I mean, these are all built by guys that are, you know, bird hunters and they, they know what they're, what they want. And, you know, I mean, I like mine for, for what I like to do. And that's, you know, I, I build all of our stuff for what I want to do. I mean, selfishly, you know, I know exactly what I want for pants and shirts and, and vests and jackets. And yep. I build it exactly how I want. And, you know, I think that, you know, other guys that are hardcore into bird hunting appreciate what we're doing and, you know, but there's different yeah. strokes for different folks. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I, like I said, we are going to talk plenty of pike gear and and uh, a little bit more about the story and some of the products and stuff. But are you a turkey hunter, Brent? You know, a little bit. My my son's okay. a huge turkey hunter, so I, I went out last. Okay. I mean, I've shot I've shot, I've shot a few turkeys in the past, but it's always been okay. kind of you know I buy a license and you know we've got a, a cottage up north and you know I'd sit out for five minutes and you know I, I shot a Jake <laughs> once. Listen and, for a gobble. <laughs> it, right, I shot a Jake probably ten years ago, and I shot a hen in the fall, probably 12 or 13 years ago. But last year I went out and my son brought me out and he called him in and it was awesome. So I'm excited to do it again this spring. He, he's trying to get one with his bow this spring. That's his big deal. He's like, I want to shoot. He's like okay. they're, they're easy to shoot with a gun. I'm like, all right, you say so. <laughs> I'm going to use a gun, but I go to shoot one. I'm not going to try with a bow. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't been out yet though. Michigan is open, not. isn't it? it Michigan okay. is open. Yeah. They opened up on uh Saturday last week and, uh, yeah, I just uh, I've not been out yet. I'll, I'll, there, I know. I was gonna say, do you know how the season structure works? Like, do you have to pick a time zone or? 
it's really weird. I mean, Michigan, I mean, for as many turkeys as we have, they, they make the season way too complicated, if you ask me. I mean, there's like literally like 25 zones. And, yeah. you know, some are for a week. I always pick the May season because you can you can buy an over-the-counter May season from like May 1st through May 31st. And it's good for, for public and private. Um, okay. you know, cause I don't want to just pigeonhole myself to the, the first week of April. Cause it, like I was telling you earlier, you know, my kids play the cross and, you know, I mean, it snowed here earlier today, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. sunny out right now, but it's, it's probably 35 degrees and the, the turkeys have kind of shut down, you know, in our, yep. in our, uh, corporate building, you know, that I heard yesterday I was sitting out there, I hear, er, er, er. I'm like, Oh, I looked outside. There's a big, <laughs> you know, there's a couple of hens in our parking lot, a big old rope dragger walking down the street. And I tried to get him to shot gobble and he wouldn't do anything. And I'm like, Oh, they're, it was cold. You know, they probably just shut down for a few days, you know, but looking forward to getting out here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's same here. I think I'm thinking next week, my buddy Garrett and I have been, we've been kind of looking at the weather and trying to pick a, pick a good week. Cause our similar is our season's kind of the same way you pick a week and then if you don't get one. You can hunt later in May. So same kind of, same kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm new to turkeys as the listeners know, as they've been paying attention, but it's, it's an exciting thing to kind of tune into in the spring. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It gives, gives us a hundred something to do. I mean, you know, we've been kind of cooped yeah. up and you know, I, I, my last hunt was in January. I usually, we've got a, a lease out in Oklahoma and I usually go out there in February, but there's a huge blizzard and cold snap that came in the, the week we were supposed to go out there. And I'm like, I'm going to bail. I'm glad I did. Those guys hunted one day, uh, two days, excuse me. One, first day was epic. They moved like 13 coveys in the day. I'm like, ah, oh, I should have went. And the next day they literally went out and didn't move a covey. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm good. And then the next two days it was like sub zero temperature with, you know, yeah. minus 40 degree wind chill. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm glad I didn't drive out there for, yeah. for that. <laughs> Where in Michigan are you, Brent? Uh, we're, I'm in Grand Haven, which is just a little bit west of uh, Grand Rapids. So um, oh, okay, all right, yeah, right on Lake Michigan. You were born and raised in Michigan, right? I was, yep, yep. I was bra- okay. born and raised in Muskegon, which is just probably 25 minutes north of where I live now. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, speaking of hunting season, give me a little recap. How was how was last fall, and and uh, as it ties into pike gear as necessary, but uh, trips, birds, uh, uh, what, what kind of highlights you got? Yeah, it, you know, it was a good fall. We, you know, we started off the season out at Tyler's place and, uh, you know, sharp tails and huns and, yep. and, uh, we lucked out with the weather. It was one of those, they had those big Western forest fires and they were calling for 85 degrees and sunny every day. We were out there like, oh man, we're going to get a couple hours in the morning. Well, that smoke came in and gave us like cloud cover. It was, I mean, it was, it was a weird, just that haze, but it, it kept the temperatures like at 65 degrees every day. It, the sun was, it was weird. You know, the sun was fully out, but it was just, you know, it was just not able to hit the ground. So, you know, we hunted every day and hunted hard and moved a fair number of sharp tails and a fair number of huns. And, and, uh, that was, that was a great trip and came back to Michigan and, and, uh, found, you know, grouse numbers are, are definitely better last year. They were better last year. They were the year before, you know, yeah. 17 was like just abysmal for us. And it's gotten yeah. a little bit better each year. Um, I was lucky and found a few spots that had some, some really good bird numbers, um, on some days, you know, we had, we had some pretty epic days where we, you know, killed a lot of grouse. Um, and then, you know, we had some pretty bad days too, where, you know, tried some new spots and cover that, you know, historically would have held five birds an hour, you know, was holding one or two, you know, so it's just, they're just not quite back where they need to be. And, uh, so, you know, it was, it was good for, for that. And then, uh, Went out to Oklahoma three times and, you know, had varying success out there. We had a few really good walks and, you know, a few really bad walks. I mean, bird numbers are down out there. And uh, I don't know if you've ever hunted Western quail before, but it's, it's a weird thing. 
it's fun. Well, we'll have to try doing that next next winter, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really a lot of fun, but it's it's so weird because I mean the scenting conditions and you, you don't know what they are. I mean, and we probably face the same stuff in the grouse woods. We may we may just not know it. But I mean, you, you know, it, you know it out there a lot of times because you're hunting a lot of the same covers over and over again. You know, we've got a lease and we've got you know some public land that we hunt, and you know, you know that there's five coveys at least in this certain area. And you'll go out there one day and you'll find all five of them. And you'll go out there two weeks later, you won't find a single bird. It's just, you know, I mean, it's just scenting condition. That's all, that's all it boils down to, you know, and when there's not a lot of birds, you know, the scenting conditions really come into play, you know, and there's lots of birds, you know, the dogs can find, you know, if they find 10% of, you know, hundred coveys, that's a great day. You know, if you find 10% of, uh, you know, five coveys, (laughs) not real good day. (laughs) A little different story. Yeah. Yeah, Big time. (laughs) When when do you make your first trip out there? Usually we go out around Thanksgiving. So my son okay. uh, does like high school wrestling, and he's off that week. So so he and I, or um, sometimes my wife and daughter, will go out there, and we will go out there and take off for about a week for that time. And then I usually get out there sometime in December with some friends. And then uh, I usually try to do one trip a month. You know, November, December, January, and February. Oh, Last yeah. two years I missed February. Uh, the year before it was Pheasant Fest, so I missed yeah. it because of that. And then this year it was just the weather was terrible. But usually we try to get out there for like the the last few days of the season and just you know it's it's as much of a guy you know like bird hunting is in general. It's as much about getting together with your buddies as it is actually hunting. Yeah. You know, I and mean, we hunt hard, but you know we cook some big meals for each other and you know have some spirits at night and it's yeah. it's just it's just a fun time to to kind of kick off or to end the season. Yeah, after and at that point you you know you've hopefully you've had your your prairie trip and you got some grouse hunting down in Michigan, so that's why I was kind of curious. Yeah, it's it's a way to kind of extend it and go down and get out of the snow a little bit. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, I, I wish I could convince more people to to do uh, January or February February trips someplace. You know, whether it's yeah. you know if you're in Michigan, you know, get to Missouri or Kansas or Oklahoma or New Mexico. I mean, it's you know, it, it, the, the trips aren't that expensive. I, I mean, especially if, you know, you get two guys and, you know, you got, you know, four or five dogs between the two of you and, you know, you get some crappy flea bag motel for, you know, 50 to 70 bucks a night. And, you know, I mean, those towns you can eat for cheap. I mean, it's like yeah. you can go out and have breakfast for $7 and you, know, you have a tailgate lunch and dinner's 10 bucks or you, you know, you cook a, a tailgate dinner. I mean, it's, it's a cheap way to really extend your season and you can give your dogs a little more time and opportunity mm-hmm. to, become better bird dogs yeah shorten the calendar a little bit to make it less of a wait for the next fall for sure for sure i mean like we were talking about earlier you know i mean you, we get back in you know early to mid-february and you know a month later the woodcock are back I mean, so we've got mm-hmm. a month to run dogs till mid-april and then you know we're shut down till july but you know it, you, you then you've only really got about three months of the year that you're not you know really out running your dogs and it, it just you know, we've got those dogs for 12 months out of the year. You know, I, it's a shame just to use them for, you know, the, yeah. the the 50 or 60 days that it's good hunting, you know, grouse hunting in Michigan or Minnesota for that time. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, on that note, sort of traveling, wing shooting, like say somebody was thinking about going down there, you mentioned you have a lease. Like what if somebody didn't have a lease? What might be the ABC uh, approach that they would be looking for places to hunt? You know, when we first started going down there. We, we would just hit the, the, the wildlife management areas. I mean, you know, the size of those things, it's, they don't sound that spectacular when you say, oh, it's 30,000 acres. Um, you know, I mean, you know, we're from Michigan and Minnesota, we've got millions and millions of acres yeah. of, of yeah. public land to hunt. So we're, we're kind of spoiled, but it's 30,000 acres and it's 30,000 acres of quail habitat. 
I mean, there's literally, I mean, there's not, there's not, but maybe a couple hundred acres on there that you won't find birds. I mean, there's, you know, in a good year, you know I mean? So yeah. you can, you can dump in anywhere and, and find birds, you know, and you can, you can do, you know, five 45 minute loops, or you can do two or three, two hour walks, you know, I mean, depending on what you want to do. And there's, there's a bunch of those wildlife management areas all around the, the state. Um, and I found that the, the, uh, the managers of those wildlife management areas are really good to talk to on the phone. I mean, those guys will tell you exactly, you know, what the hatch is like, what kind of cover to look for. Again, it's, I mean, it's all covers, so it doesn't, that doesn't really matter, but they might tell you, oh, there, you know, there's a windmill over in this spot that typically holds a, you know, a covey or something like that, you know, but, well, you know, I think that's an underutilized resource by wing shooters a lot of times is, is these wildlife management area directors. I mean, these guys, the, the guy in Oklahoma, he lives yeah. there I and mean, he lives on that ranch I mean, he's there 365 days a year driving around. I mean, he knows that place like the back of his hand, you know, it's his baby. I mean, he's working hard to, you know, he wants yeah. people to come there and enjoy it and use it and, you know, and, and, uh, appreciate the resource. It's like your own Tyler Webster in every location, you know, it kind of is. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, it, he's, yeah, the mailman, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would totally recommend doing that. And you, know, you go to New Mexico. I mean, there's, you know, New Mexico has tons of public land. Um, Kansas yeah. has lots of public land, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, you know, I am a last minute guy. I'm not one of those guys that say, Hey, I'm going to go to, you know, this spot on October 1st, you know, of 2021, because that's what I'm going to do. I, and I know a lot of guys don't have that flexibility in their, their life and their schedule, right. but you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys. That I, I want to wait and see what the hatch is like, you know, talk to some people yep. that have, have boots on the ground and, and, you know, I'm, I'm always flexible with, with my, my trips. I mean, I hunt a lot in the UP, um, you know, and a few years ago, it wasn't very good up there. So I switched to the Northern lower peninsula, you know, and I did another trip out of state that year. It's, it's just, you know, it's it, being a traveling wing shooter. You just got, sometimes you just got to drive a little bit further. I mean, that was one of the mistakes I made. I think when I first started is like, oh, well, you know, first trip to South Dakota, I'm going to go to Watertown. That's, you know, it's a big town. I got lots of amenities and, you know, there's birds, you know, you can kill huns and pheasants and sharp tails within an hour of this town. And I went out there and it was terrible. <laughs> you know, you just got to go a couple of hours further West, you know, and that's what the guys told me when I got out there, I started talking to a couple of wildlife men and they go, oh, you got to go further West. I'm like, yeah, I realize that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's some, that's some good advice for the trailing wing shooter. And, and like you said, if you can, remain a little bit flexible like if you're after a certain condition watching the weather that kind of stuff not everybody can do that but it can help for sure yeah and i i do that in michigan I, i'll call and book my hotels you know in in august and you know if i see the weather it looks like it's gonna be lousy it's gonna be 85 degrees for you know four yeah. days straight i'll you know i'll call a few days ahead and cancel the thing and you know make it for later november or something like that you know that's when i i try to just be flexible and again you know not everybody has that that option. And, and that's part of the reason why, you know, I started building some of the gear I did. Cause I, I had to hunt when I had to hunt when I was working in corporate America. I mean, I, my vacation times had to be scheduled out, you know, weeks in advance. And, you know, so I'm like, well, I didn't have the right gear. So I would always try to find the right gear to be comfortable and hunt whatever conditions were available to me. Whether it's hot, <laughs> cold, rainy, snow, it didn't matter. I was, I was going to do it, you know? Yeah. Good stuff. We're going to, we'll transition a little bit and I'm going to briefly mention an email that I got this morning from you and the folks at Pike Gear. I don't know if you can see on the little table behind me here, I got a bunch of stuff laid out for our local uh, Rough Grouse Society banquet. And I mentioned that because got an email from you guys this morning. I know you had been helping Rough Grouse Society with their uh, membership drive and you guys, sounds like you raised a pile of money for them. Help them. 
Yeah, yeah, it was great. They said it was the most successful membership drive they've ever had. I think we uh, raised like $65,000 or helped them raise $65,000. And yeah, I mean, I've been a, a member of RGS for almost 20 years and the chapter, local chapter president. This is my last year as chapter president. I've been, I think it's my 12th or 13th year as chapter president. Um, and so I, you know, it's, near and dear to my heart. You know, I mean, I, yeah. you know, they're, they're not the most, they're not the perfect organization in the world. I'm not the perfect person in the world. I know there's, right, you know, right. you know, we're, we're always striving to get better. And I think that they're striving to get better. And, and, uh, you know, I, I hate that when I hear people complain about them or pheasants forever for various things and, you know, they're not they're yeah. doing that. I'm like, I, I, you know, it's like, Keep in mind, I mean, these organizations are small. And they're run by people that are really passionate about what they're doing, and they, no. they don't—they're they're not Google, they're not Microsoft. They don't have billions of dollars that they're just—they can't do everything. I mean, you know, I mean, if if I was, you know, had a billion dollars right now, I'd give a hundred million dollars to RGS and a hundred million dollars to, to PF. <laughs> say, hey guys, here you go. Here's an endowment. Run these yep. things like you know you pot the best you possibly can because. Without those organizations, I mean, we as bird hunters, you know, we, we lose a massive voice in the lobbying field. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, if, if, if there's nobody talking about habitat, there's, there's, you know, there's not many, there's no reason to do it for a lot of these, these, these states and federal you know, organizations. They just don't, yeah. they don't care. You know, they figure, you know, doing nothing is, is as good as doing something. And we know darn well that every upland bird is a bird of disturbance, you know, they're, they're all edge birds, no matter what species you're looking for, you always find them in areas that have been disturbed either by fire, wind, cutting, you, you name it, they, they need disturbance in or, and, you know, in today's modern world, we, you know, we don't like forest fires. They're not good. You know, they're not good for the environment. They're, they're not good for the, the, you know, houses that are in, in their paths. And so we need to, to, you know, mechanically cut these trees. And if we don't, we're going to lose out on, you know, a, a, an entire ecosystem of forest and, and animals that, that thrive in that, that particular forest. Same with, you know, prairie, you know, if we don't burn that prairie grass, it's going to get taken over by, you know, cedars and, and we're going to lose prairie chickens and sharp tails and, you know, quail and all that other stuff. So, I mean, we need to, to advocate for them as best we possibly can. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And of course, everybody's entitled to their own opinion on this, but I, I tend to find myself in agreement with some of the ways that you look at it. It's just like the voice factor, you know, like we, we got to put our voices together and empower these organizations, be it RGS, Pheasants Forever, to represent our collective voice, because we all know that if Nick goes and starts knocking on doors and Brent goes and does it by himself. Like we're not going to, we're not going to have the impact. Right. And then, you know, I, I also think it's, it's, it's good to hold the organizations accountable. They're nonprofits. They're taking our donations and we have to make sure that they're, they're doing great work, which I think for the most part does happen. I mean, it certainly we'd all love to see more happen, but at the end of the day, you know, I'll, I'll hear somebody kind of point to the decline of a certain species, be it a grouse or a quail or something, and then kind of immediately point the finger at the nonprofit when I feel like this is kind of a small way to look at it. Whereas we've got an organization of, let's say rough grouse society, there's 15,000 people, 15,000 members in the organization. Well, society has what, what do we got? 300 million people in this. 330 million. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fighting, you know, developing and fighting against the birds. I mean, like, what do you expect? What do you expect a 10,000, 15,000 member organization to do? I mean, right. I know that's don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. I mean, again, right. You know, I mean, RGS is a great organization. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. You know, and I think, you know, if you talk to Ben Jones, he'd tell you that too. You know, I mean, he's striving to make it better. You know, all the regional directors, I mean, you know, you're always trying, I mean, those guys love grouse, you know, and, but we, we need to come together 
you know, we have so much infighting in the, in the hunting community. It drives me out of my mind sometimes like, come on guys. I mean, it's like, let's, you know, let's, let's pick that fight at the, at the bar with a beer and, and BS amongst each other. Let's not do this, you know, on Facebook and on, you know, Upland journal and things like that. Let's, let's not have these, these fights publicly, you know, I mean, if they're doing it legally and they're doing it ethically, you know, I mean, let's leave people alone and how they choose to do things. As long as they're buying a license, and yeah. especially if they're a member of RGS, you know, I mean, just, you know, that, that's right. the one thing I think that grouse hunters are the worst at is, you know, there's too many people that have reasons not to join, you know, the big, just, yep. if you like to hunt grouse, join rough grouse society. I mean, there's just, yeah. it's, it's that simple. I mean, and if, if you don't like what they're doing, talk to them. I mean, they're open to ideas and they really are. I mean, these guys yeah. all and gals, I mean, there's lots of great guys and gals in that organization that are, want to make it as best they possibly can. And, you know, bitching about them on project Upland's Facebook page is not going to, not going yeah. to make them yeah. better. You know, I mean, join and get active in your chapter and, you know, start, start at that level, you know? Yeah. That's good stuff. I, and again, I mean, like this has been tough. It's, it's been talked about. We're not breaking news here. I mean, the conservation conservation organizations have had a really tough time with banquets being canceled. And, you know, if this is, sounds like beating a dead horse, so be it. I mean, it is what it is, but I, I did bring that up just to kind of, when I see organizations like Pike Gear and doing that and helping out, I mean, that's putting your money where your mouth is. So I thank you for that, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm passionate about hunting. I'm, yeah. I'm passionate about our conservation organizations and, you know, I, I, it's, it's easier for me to, you know, I'd like to help out every individual banquet, right. but it's, it's just, it's not possible for me to, to do that. You know, it's, it's easier to work at a, at the corporate level with, with, uh, you know, Nicole and the, the, the gang there to, to do things that right. way. And, you know, I mean, if there's little things I can do for certain banquets, I mean, as, as we grow as a company, you know, I'm going to do more. I mean, that's, you know, sure. we're not just like, all right, this is our pot. And we're going to, you know, as, as we grow, that pot keeps growing and we're going to keep dumping more and more money into, you know, these organizations. Cause you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's good business for us too. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the, the more people that are yeah. buying uh, yeah. memberships from rough grouse society and pheasants forever are going to be, you know, buying pike gear. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, good stuff, man. Let's, let's go into pike gear a little okay. bit and we we kind of talked about some of the things that the pheasant fest a couple of years ago sort of the timeline but i would like to just so we don't overlook it you've told the story on tyler's podcast and probably ron's but i'd like to get sort of your inspiration and kind of where where it came from and i know this you know you you saw you wanted to de- design things that you felt the upland hunter needed and i'd be curious to get a little hear a little bit of the evolution of pike gear yeah i love telling this story because i, mean, I think it. <laughs> it, it adds to, to what we're doing, you know, people kind of get it that way. So, you know, through 1992, I started working at a place called MC sports. It was, a, I was really big into Alpine downhill skiing and, and, uh, just love that stuff. So I, I worked there for a couple of years and I went away to college at Western Michigan university. I worked at a place called Lee's Lee's sports, which is a family owned, uh, ski shop, but also they were big into backpacking and hiking and stuff like that. And, and I really, that was kind of where I first got my, my first real taste of, you know, Patagonia, North Face, you know, some of the high end, you know, outdoor clothing companies that were utilizing, you know, nylon, polyester, Gore-Tex, things like that. You know, I mean, I first started skiing, I was wearing jeans, you know, I mean, that's <laughs> jeans and a CB jacket. That was like the cool kid stuff yeah. back in the day. And, some uh, funky colors, I imagine. Absolutely. I remember I had a blue one with a hot pink stripe across. I thought I was hot <laughs> shit, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and so I started wearing this stuff. I'm like, holy cow, this stuff is just, man, I mean, skiing so much more fun. I mean, I'm not cold. Yeah. You know, I'm and I'm sweating. It's transferring moisture off me, and I'm not, you know, getting clammy. And 
man, this is mean, just absolutely game changing stuff. And I was just really into to skiing for about 10 years. And I left the, left that industry and started working pharmaceutical sales. And uh, one of the, uh, and I'd always been a little bit of a hunter. I mean, you know, I did a little duck hunting in high school, a little bird hunting, but never, you know, my dad hunted a little bit, but he was kind of one of those, you know, quasi weekend warriors that, you know, wasn't really that into it. And uh, so I started, I went on, this guy invited me on a pheasant hunt, you know, a a game farm pheasant hunt. And I went out there and it's the first time I've ever seen a, a pointing dog work. And I'm like, holy cow, that is awesome. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So that was fall of 2001. And um, I just, like, at that point, I'm like, I was just like all in. I mean, I'm like, man, I I love this stuff. And I started researching dogs and and ended up, we bought a house in December of 2001. And I got my first German short hair in uh, February of 2002. And, you know, started buying all the gear and the guns and saw this really cool, like wax cotton stuff. I'm like, oh, this stuff is, this is what everybody wears. It's cool. You know, so I bought all this stuff and, you know, I went out for a few hunts. I'm like, holy cow, this stuff is heavy. This stuff, I'm sweating my butt off of this stuff. This, this, this stuff sucks. I mean, I, you know, I'm like, I hate this stuff. It's, ter- I mean, I'm, I'm a sweater to begin with. I mean, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm a big guy and, you know, I, and I just, I've always sweated, you know, I mean, so I, I bought the stuff and I mean, I, I you know, I, I bought the pants, the, the boots, the jackets, all this stuff. And, and I mean, I probably spent, 800, maybe a thousand dollars on, you know, pants and, and shirts yeah. and, and, uh, a tin cloth jacket and all that stuff. And like, Oh my God, this stuff is terrible. So, you know, I, I, I they, and, you know, you see companies would release something new that was, you know, lighter weight, more breathable, et cetera. And, mm. and I, I, I bought, I mean, literally if, if it's out there, if it's been out there for the last 20 years, I guarantee I've owned it. You know, I've owned almost everything you could possibly imagine. So, I started just kind of, you know, bitching more and more about the stuff. And I started kind of leaning more towards some of the hiking and backpacking stuff. Um, yeah. Cause it, you know, and even some of the fly fishing stuff, it's, it's lightweight. It was, it was nylon, it was breathable, uh, dried really quickly. Um, I found a, you know, a cheap Gore-Tex jacket at REI. It was, it was kind of orange <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm like, ah, I don't care if I rip it up and stuff like that. It's gotta be better than, you know, these, this tin cloth I've been wearing and sweating, sweating to death on. And uh started kind of migrating towards that stuff, but just, you know, there's just no protection in that stuff either. I mean, you know, the, mm-hmm. the pants yep. are, I mean, you know, most of those, you know, polyester nylon, they're designed to be lightweight and, and comfortable. And, you know, they were that, but, you know, I mean, you even, you know, walk through a, a little bit of brush and you're, you know, you'd come out and you look like you got to fight with a cat, you know, I mean, they just, it just beats you up pretty bad. And so then I kind of started taking that stuff and my mother-in-law is a very talented uh, seamstress and I would start taking her in things and I would get, you know, like a Cordura overlay and have her like sew that onto some pants for me. And, you know, it, it worked better, but it, you know, I mean, I don't care how talented you are. You, you can't take apart a pair of pants and add something to it and sew it back together and make it look, and you're not going to get the colors right and all that <laughs> other stuff. And right. so, you know, and then, so I, I just, I started doing some of that stuff and I, and I finally just had enough. I, I, I quit my medical sales job because I was just burned out. I mean, I was driving like 70,000 miles a year, you know, sleeping in a hotel 70, 80 nights a, a year. And it was just, it was just burning me out. I didn't like the people I was working for. So I'm like, ah, 
I'm I'm going to start looking into this upland clothing thing, and I'm going to sell some. I'm going to sell real estate. I got a good buddy who's a big time real estate agent, and I you know work under worked under him, and and uh, and uh, started kind of delving into this a little bit. So that was about five and a half years ago, five years ago. So for about two years, I was just researching, looking for things. You know, went to yeah. a few different trade shows to see what fabrics are available, and you know, I was checking out what other companies were doing in the the mountain hunting world to see what you know what what kind of fabrics they were using, and you know, they've they've kind of just used a lot of the backpacking fabrics. You know, I mean, they're those guys yeah. aren't they they think they're tough on stuff. It's like, come on, go go bird hunting, and I'll show you what tough is on on clothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that led me to decide, all right, you know, I got some designs drawn up and picked out some fabrics. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, start my LLC. So I started that, I think it was May 18th, 2018 was, was when okay. I filed my LLC paperwork and had some prototypes made and, and, uh, started testing some stuff out and finding, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that just doesn't really work for our application, you know? So, I mean, it's, a lot of trial and error. I mean, a lot of trial and error. I mean, the first few pairs of pants I made looked really nice and I thought they were going to be functional and, you know, man, ripped holes in them and <laughs> tried wow. different things. And, you know, I mean, the, the last thing you want to do is put something out there that's not good. You know, I mean, it's, right. I mean, our stuff is, it's a premium price point stuff. I mean, it's, you know, we, you know, I see, you know, like, you know, Wrangler sells their, their brush jeans for, I don't know, twenty nine ninety five. I'm like, We've got more of that and that fabric in our stuff. I mean, literally, I mean, that's, I mean, the fabric that we use is, you know, ultra expensive. And, you know, when you're making bird hunting pants, you know, a regular pair of pants is like 1.75 to two yards per pair of pants. Well, with bird hunting pants, you know, if you're doing an overlay, that's a full another yard of, of fabric. So you're using no, a third yeah. more material on your stuff. And that's a third more sewing you have to do as well on all that stuff. So, so we finally came up with a, with a good, Good. The, the Kiowa pant was our first one, and, and I, I really liked the Tongas pant that I had designed, but I wasn't sure about the durability of, of the fabric. And so I, I tested. I, I I got I had a pair made, and I gave them to a buddy of mine that that lives in the UP that is in the woods like literally 300 days a year. I mean, the guy is yeah. he's um, you know he, he's trains cocker spaniels and he's you know just always in the woods. He's a former for, uh, uh, soil scientist. So I mean, this guy knows, okay. and he's a yeah. big bird hunter. I mean, he, you know, they hunt out West, they hunt in UP, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, he used them for a full season and he's, I said, well, how do they look? He's like, he's like, they look like they're brand new. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, he's like, I swear to God. He's like, this is, like, I don't know what this fabric is, but he's like, it's like really tough. I'm like, he's like, it's not the most briar proof stuff I've ever used. He's like, but it sheds away 95. I said, perfect. I said, I, you know, I said, you know, you, you, we can't have everything. You know, and everything's a compromise. Just that like we talked about with RGS and pheasants forever. I mean, you know, are they perfect? No, but they're they're really good. You know, and that's you know what we try to do is have stuff that's you know exceptionally appropriate for the conditions you're looking for. You know, the Kiowa pant is our our early season, you know, prairie pant, you know, light duty grouse hunting pant. Are you going to wear it through blackberry cane all day? No, it's, it's not designed for that. They're, they're, they're not, I mean, they're, you know, they've got protection on them and, you know, they'll fend off some moderate brush, no problem. They're really durable, but they're, they're not, they're not briar pants. Um, But these, the Tongas pants going back to that, this guy's like, they're, they're awesome. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. You know? So we ordered all that fabric and got them made. And, and, and that was, you know, the, the next iteration we came up with. Um, and, you know, I guess I kind of jumped a couple steps there, but <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. So, you know, so the, the first pant was the Kiowa pant and then we had the Kiowa shirt. So that was, you know, kind of the, the, the first thing I really struggle with is, is, you know, the early season stuff. I mean, I just, 
it was always just really hot and muggy when you when you first start hunting in the early season. I'm like, I need stuff that's lightweight, breathable, and flexible. You know, there's nothing else out there right now that's lightweight, breathable, and flexible. I mean, there's, you know, lightweight stuff out there, but you know, if, it, if it's made of cotton, I think it's one thing a lot of people, you know, we're still educating people on, you know, what it means to have synthetic yeah. fabrics as opposed to cotton. I mean, cotton, I mean, I've, I've got cotton blue jeans on right now. I mean, they're super comfortable, you know, but they absorb moisture. I mean, that's what cotton is, oh, is a, it. yeah. It, 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 and it doesn't release it quickly. I mean, that's, that's what the synthetic fabrics, they're not designed to, to grab and hold moisture. They're designed to grab moisture and spread it out and dry out extremely quickly. That's what, yep. you know, and if they're treated with the right stuff, they're not even designed to grab moisture at all. Like all of our pants are treated, you know, we, we throw out the term DWR, DWR yeah. stands for durable water repellent. So a okay. lot of people don't know that. So, um, all of our pants are treated with a, with a durable water repellent finish. So they're just not going to absorb moisture. I mean, does that mean they're, they're not going to get wet? Of, of course not. I mean, they, they still can get wet, but it just, it, it's not that, that fabric's not, you know, when, you know, cotton's like a sponge, it grabs it and you know, it, it fills up and it just, it doesn't dry out quickly. The, the, the nylon and polyester stuff, it, it, it you know, it can get coated in water, but it, it just, it dries out really quickly. You know, you go from your first spot to your next spot in a dewy morning. I mean, that was always my biggest bitch. It's like, you know, you start out in the morning, you get wet because it's really dewy or frosty in the morning. You're wet all day long and miserable, right. you right. know? It's just, there's nothing worse than getting wet and staying wet. I mean, whether, you know, your pants get wet, they stick to you, you're climbing over logs. And I mean, it's, it's like literally you're fighting twice as hard as you should to, to, to have fun. I mean, this is supposed to be fun, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, I have a, a, a good, a good buddy of mine, uh cancer survivor called me last year. And he's like, he's like, I got to tell you, Brian, he's like, you know, he's like, I was really struggling with hunting the last few years being able to stay out in the field all day long. He's like, you know, I'm, my body's still recovering from, from, you know, chemotherapy and, you know, I'm not as good a shape as I used to be. And my, my clothing was really dragging me down. He's like, I can't believe how much he's like, I can hunt all day long. I mean, literally, I mean, our pants are like half the weight shirts are half the yeah. weight. And, yeah. you know, if you, if you stick them in a bucket of water and stick a pair of cotton stuff in, the, in a bucket of water and, and, and just see how long it takes them to dry. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, our stuff dries out in between spots. The other stuff, you know, it might take, all day to dry out. It might not even be dry by the next morning. <laughs> so that's, you know, so we, you know, had the Kiowa line last year, we launched the Tongass line, which is our wet weather line. So, um, you know, the Tongass pants, you know, I was talking about my friend that it field tested for over a year for me, you know, the, the, uh, the lower part, you know, the upper thigh down to the, down to the leg and then back up behind the knee is all a waterproof, breathable material. Like you'd have like with the Gore-Tex jacket, um, okay. extremely durable, really tough, extremely lightweight. I mean, these pants are just ultra lightweight. And then the upper is just treated no with it. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome. And uh, then the upper is just a, a really breathable upper that's treated with a, with the durable water repellent. Like we talked about that again, doesn't absorb moisture. And, you know, typically you're, you don't really get wet, wet from your, your crotch up. I mean, it's, it's usually your lower legs that just get yeah, so right on the front. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the one thing I really, I, I never really realized until we started making this stuff is, you know, a lot of guys bitch about their boots getting wet, their boots leaking. Your boots aren't leaking in a lot of cases. What's happening is your pants are getting wet. Your socks are taking that moisture from your pant and actually wicking that moisture down into your boots and your boots are getting wet because your, your pants were wet. I, I, I found that out kind of just, I'm like, huh, my sock, yeah. my, my boots aren't getting wet anymore. And I, I just, I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe I never thought of that before, but it's, it's a hundred percent the reason why a lot of guys think their boots leak. 
Yeah. I mean, moisture management is obviously, whether it is that early season, you're trying to evaporate everything and get rid of it, or if it's late season, and you're really trying to kind of create a bubble around yourself and seal yourself up. I mean, that's, that's the difference between being comfortable and not being comfortable as far as I'm concerned. It, it absolutely is. You know, in that late season, I mean, you're still, you're still working hard. You're, you're perspiring. And if you don't mm-hmm. move that moisture off your skin and away from your body, that's where you get that cold, clammy feeling, you know, and it's, it's, it's an yeah. awful feeling, you know, and if you don't have stuff, you know, the wax cotton stuff just doesn't breathe. I mean, it's, it's going to hold all that moisture in. It's good for sitting in a duck blind because it holds it in there and you're, you know, knocks all the wind down. It's, it's, you know, fairly waterproof and it works really well for that. But when you're, you're active, I mean, there's a reason why cross country skiers and stuff, they, they mm-hmm. use waterproof breathable materials as opposed to wax cotton, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, Anybody that thinks about it for a minute, I mean, upland hunting, the way that you and I do it and where a lot of listeners do it, I think is it's very active. It's an active thing. It's you're not sitting in a deer stand, you're not stationary, none of that. So you're it's and there's a different way to dress when you're doing something that's as active as cross country skiing or upland hunting. Right. I mean, that's what I think, you know, most deer hunters and stuff like that don't seem to understand is, you know, it's like, hey, I mean, I, I wear, you know, a Garmin watch. I'm sure you probably do too. I mean, you know, and you track your steps when you're out hunting. I yeah. mean yeah, there's, there's days <laughs> yeah. that, you know, we're walking, you know, 20 to 30,000 steps a day. You know, that's a lot of walking. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, 13, 15 miles a day that, that we're putting on. And, you know, I mean, if, and if you're not moisture management, but also the flexibility thing that that's the thing I really notice is like, you know, there's yes. nothing worse than having yeah. stuff sticking to you when you're, you know, you're stepping over a log and like your pants are like, hindering you it's like oh my gosh you, know, you almost have to like lift your leg up with your other arm to to get over the logs it's, yep. it's it's just stuck to it and stuff like that it's yeah that, talk- the, i was gonna say that the stretch fabrics and everything have been they're, they're hitting like you know you can go and at like regular stores and buy pants with stretch but once you wear your first pair of pants that has like that flexibility and stretch man like i don't want i don't wear anything else it's just so comfortable oh i've got guys that tell me you know that they wear the the, the Kiowa pants, like I, you know, I had a guy, he's like, I wore them down to Mexico <laughs> on vacation because he's like, they're the most comfortable travel pants I've ever had in my entire life. Cause you yeah. know, they're so breathable, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's, it's called dot air fabric. If you look up in the light and see right through it, I mean, it's, it's woven like with little tiny holes in it. So any type yeah. of breeze, it just blows right through it. They're super comfortable for that early season like that. Yeah. So I, I know that like, you know, you had a, the technical fabric approach. So with those, you often get lightweight comfortable and you you mentioned durability and i have a feeling like when you were testing fabrics and stuff that durability was kind of the x factor right like could i package the comfort and the weight and actually find durability right that's that's the 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 biggest thing that you 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 struggle with i mean there's you know i mean a lot of that lightweight breathable stuff is, is good stuff for for fly fishing you know, or for mm-hmm. cycling, but you know, the, the abrasion that we put stuff through bird hunting is just incredible, you know, and, and that was yeah, absolutely the, the toughest thing to find is, is the durability factor and in, in keeping it light, you know, I mean, and that's, you know, the thing that, you know, we've, I mean, we're constantly getting fabric shipped in and trying this and trying that. And, you know, there's a lot of good stuff I really thought was going to be like the, the cat's meow to use and we'd field tested. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, one walk and this stuff is just, just, just yeah. beat up, you know, and it, and so, and, and they, and, you know, and the companies will, Oh, this is durable stuff. I'm like, you don't know what durable, how durable things need to be, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why nobody's done it before we did it because, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive fabric. I mean, you just, you know, it's not, you, you can't go to Joanne Fabrics and go buy, you know, Cordura 
and, and, and just get it to work right. It just, you just can't, it's, it's expensive fabric to do it. And it's, it's really tough to, to do it in a lot of instances. And it's, you know, that's the biggest thing. It's just expensive. I mean, I wish I could do it for, for half the price. Cause I, I mean, I would sell 10 times as much if I could sell it for half as much, you know, right. but it, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, I think you've done a pretty good job of talking about the different lines. So we'll, Oh, I'll clarify that. And then I want to talk about some of the other products that you guys have, and then we'll kind of maybe look ahead. But I, I will say that I have the Kiowa shirt. I've got a season on that in the grouse woods. And it's kind of like everything you say, like if you pick it up and look at it, you would kind of be like, how is this going to hold up? But you know, I, I hunted 58 days in the grouse woods last year and I wore that thing a lot because we had pretty good temperatures, including like into December. I, like I never thought I'd be wearing the Kiowa shirt in December, but I was because you, you can just wear a nice base layer under it. And then I've got my orange top on, you know? Yep. And it's, I mean, again, it's, you know, I mean, you, you probably have some little snags on it and it's like, you know, I, I had a, I yep. had one guy call me up and say, well, you know, I've worn the shirt all season. It's got some snags. I'm like, well, I mean, it is grouse hunting. I mean, you know, it, it's not going to look yep. like it's brand new. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's either, you know, armor or it's, you know, durable and comfortable. I mean, it's, you know, it, it will last. I mean, it, it's tough, but I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not bomb proof, but it's, it's pretty darn durable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the Kiowa is kind of the lightweight stuff. And again, you alluded to it. Like if you're going out early season, you're walking short mixed grass prairie that kind of stuff i mean you're going to be comfortable you're going to be breathable it's all that stuff it can work its way certainly into the grouse woods but then you've got the tongas lineup which is would you call that heavyweight or would you say midweight i mean maybe even weight's the wrong way to look at it because i know your stuff is light yeah i mean it's actually the the pant the tongas pants are actually lighter weight than the kiowa pants because are they really yeah yeah so because there's, there's no double layer on it it's just that waterproof breathable uh, fabric down below. I mean, they're not much like, like we're talking like an ounce, you know, a couple ounces okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but they're light I, to begin with. So yeah. Th- yes. I, I would call, I, I would, instead of, you know, weights, I would, I would go more towards seasons. Um, okay. Whereas yeah. like the Kaya was like an early season. The Tongas is yep. more like a, a wet weather uh, mid season pan. I mean, the, the Tongas is my favorite pan. If it's below 60 degrees, I don't care if it's sunny out or not. I'm wearing the Tongas pan. I just love that pan. Okay. And then the new one we've got coming out is a North cut pan. The one thing we've had a lot of guys say is, Hey, I need a really, you know, heavy duty brush pan. So yeah. our dude North cut pan is the lightest yet heavy duty brush pan you'll ever find. I mean, it's, we've, we utilize okay. three different types of fabric with it and they're awesome. I mean, not my favorite pan because I, 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 I don't, we don't hunt a lot. There's not a lot of briars. I've only hunted Minnesota, you know, a handful of times too. And I, I didn't find like I needed really heavy duty briar pants there. I just, you know, you need stuff that knocks away, you know, sticks and, and stuff like yeah. that. But you're, you're not hunting, you know, plum thickets and blackberry cane and, you know, green cover is pretty tame like. up here. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it really is. I mean, the grouse woods is tough on stuff, but it's, it's really tough kind of like the top up. You know, I mean, yes. it's, you know, you're, yeah. it's always grabbing at you and stuff like that. It's not necessarily it, it, that it's beating you up in the legs and stuff like that. And it's just from sheer like duration, you know, just wearing it down, wearing it down, wearing it down. It's not like one big briar comes and shreds you. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the North cut pan is our, our new, you know, a briar pant that, you know, we, we just got a big slug of them. We're, we're not quite okay. launched. When, when is this podcast going to launch next week or this um, week? Or? This will be up. Yeah. Within a week. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So by the time your listeners hear that we should have them live on our website and, you know, okay. we're getting more cool. in every, every day and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, again, in, in you know, I, I wore them out West when we were, you know, in the uh, hunting some plum thickets and stuff like that. I mean, just nothing goes through. I mean, they're like, they're Ooh. like, it's our, yeah. it's our answer to the wax cotton, 
that's again half the weight and it's flex fabric dries quickly treated with a durable water repellent finish i mean they're, they're really a, a really nice nice pants so i think uh, you know a lot of guys are looking for that that bright they're warm i mean for me you know again it's it's a it's a sub 60 degree probably maybe even sub 50 degree uh pant that i would be wearing you know but i mean yeah. For the guys that are wearing tin cloth in September, I mean, this would be a huge step up for them. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, is the North Cut is it any is it more or less water resistant than the Tongas? So the Tongas is actually a waterproof, breathable uh, laminate material. Waterproof, so, breathable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that so that's going to be our our most water resistant pant that we right. have. Uh, again, all the pants are treated with that durable water repellent finish, so they'll, they'll, they shed moisture. The North Cut will get more moisture in it just because there's more fabric to it. It's, it's you know, it, it, okay. on average, it probably weighs, you know, 19 to 20 ounces as opposed to, you know, the 12 to 13 ounces that the, the other stuff weighs. Okay, so the, the ideal use for the North Cut is somebody that's looking for the most protection from briars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, perfect pant for that. Cool. Well, let's talk. Let's talk wingman vest a little bit because okay. that came out. Was it last year? You were testing in nineteen, and it came out last year. Um, yes, that would have been correct. Yep. Yeah. So we we tested okay. it in two thousand nineteen, um, and then we launched it at Pheasant Fest last year, two thousand twenty. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, again, I mean, there's a lot of nice vests out there. I mean, why I like our vest, and I think you know you'll you'll get this. I mean, it, as a grouse hunter, I'm always looking to to shear my profile down. Yeah, I mean, I love the Wingworks vest and how it fits, but you know, it had the big water bottles that hung off the side. And mm-hmm. that was one of my big complaints about it. It was, you know, it's like, you know, I, I've got a 38 inch waist to begin with, you know, you add another five inches on each side from water bottles and, you know, definitely had to tur- turn my hips a few times to get through some saplings. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so we kind of, you know, took what, you know, we thought was the, you know, a, a good weight bearing belt took that. And then, you know, we just, you know, our, our game bag is, is much smaller than what everybody else has out there. I mean, I think, you know, and it's interesting to me when I hear some guys talking about how they need this giant game bag, I'm like, why? I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, this, this bag will hold four roosters. All right. That's, that's the limit in Kansas. And there's no need to have anything more than that. I mean, I can, I, I put five, I got one, one limit of grouse last year. I had five grouse in the bag of this thing and, and they fit in there comfortably. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so our game bag, you'll find our game bag is significantly smaller than what everybody else has, but it, it also, it, it's, it covers your back. I mean, it's not hanging off the sides at all. So we don't collect all the, the, the debris, uh, that other, the, so the other game bags do, uh, and the grouse, again, I'm a grouse hunter. So, you know, I'm building mine for grouse hunting. You know, that's, yep. that's my first, you know, I use it quail hunting, I use it pheasant hunting. I use it for everything, but you know, it was designed as a, as a grouse hunters game bag. You know, we've got the Molly system on it so you can, you know, put, you know, accessories on it, wherever you want the water bottles, like we were talking about, you know, they, they fit nicely, you know, right by the game bag. So they're, they're not, you know, widening up your profile at all. Uh, the game bag itself has, it, it's got a, we, we built the fabric. So it, ha, it keeps a little bit of a structured opening, but it's not, it's not, you know, six inches wide. It, it's a couple inches wide. So when you're reaching back into the bird, you know, the bird's head and your hand just kind of slip in there and it just falls in there. So the game bag does not, you know, come, you don't come back to the car with, you know, half the wood still in your game bag. Yeah, um, yeah. but it's deep enough, you know, I've, I've had problems with other vests out there where I, you know, you, I mean, we're falling in the grouse woods all the time. Right. <laughs> and if you're not falling, you're not trying. 
and I've lost yeah. birds. You know, I, you fall down yeah. and, and a bird comes out of your bag and you get back to the truck. Like, well, I, I know I killed three woodcock. Where's, where's the, where's the third one? I've, I had a grouse in there. It's gone. You know, yeah. so our game bag is designed to, you know, the, the birds fit in there. The other thing I really can't stand about some vests is when you're walking, it, it slaps you in the rear end when you're walking, you know, yeah. but I also didn't want it so high up that you can't reach in there. So there's, there's a fine line there. So we actually made our, our, our game bag is adjustable on our belt. So you can actually move it up or down okay. a couple inches via the Velcro. So that's, you know, and, and again, you know, we, we use seat belt strap material for our shoulder straps. Um, again, it's, it's, it's more expensive than traditional nylon webbing, but it, it does two things. The first and foremost is there's nothing better to lay against your skin than a seatbelt. I mean, we've been using seatbelt material for what, 70 years in vehicles, you know, so we, we know the stuff works. The second thing is, is it just doesn't pull up your clothing either. It's not abrasive and, yeah, you know, really it doesn't, soft. yeah, it's really soft and, and, and it's extremely durable. I mean, there's nothing tougher on the market. The downside is it's, it's, it's way more expensive than just regular traditional webbing. Um, you know, so that's. The, the inside of the belt is is made with uh, Torres Ultra Suede, uh, which is extremely durable stuff. And it's also, um, you know, again, it, it wicks moisture and it dries out really quickly. So when you're, you know, we always get, you know, the, the one thing I love about, you know, all the, the, the game belts that are out there now is I like that heat on my low back. I, I like having, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I especially when it's cold out, you know, it's it's nice having that, you know, warmth on your low back and, you know, but you do get sweaty. You know, so again, the, the belt is designed to, to disperse moisture over time and, you know, help helps it dry out. And it doesn't smell either. I mean, it's, it's a, again, another synthetic, le- it's a synthetic leather, extremely expensive, but, you know, we, we use premium products and everything we do, you know, our, our, our vests mm-hmm. are made of thousand denier Cordura, you know, they're lined with, with 400 denier Cordura. So we're always looking to shave weight and increase durability. You know, it's a fine line, like you talked about earlier, you know, you want to have the, the most durable stuff, but you also don't want to have you know, you don't need to overkill it either. You know, there's no reason that, you know, if they made a 2000 denier quarter, I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys, oh, I want that 2000, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you don't need it. A thousand <laughs> is, is plenty tough. It's really tough. I mean, a thousand you'll never wear through in a lifetime. Um, yeah. And, you know, going back to the, the modularity of the system, I mean, if you wear out a pocket by, or your, your dog chews through it, I mean, that, that certainly has happened, you know, you can buy a new pocket, you know, I mean, if you, you know, you rip something out of the vest. I mean, everything's fixable on our vest. That's, the, I think, one of the beautiful things about the the modular system that we designed is, you know, everything can be, you know, fixed, replaced, um, you know, and so you really do have a vest that's going to be with you for a lifetime. Yeah, that's cool, especially with something as, you know, everybody's got their own style, their own gear set up. So, like, the vest is such a critical component. Anytime you see, and we're seeing it, I think, a lot with, with the newer vests that are hitting the market are modular and customizable dial in the fit exactly how you want it get it set up that's something that i think that a lot of folks appreciate yep absolutely that's that was kind of a it's funny you know we came out with ours and then there's like two other people that obviously they didn't steal our idea they've been working out at the same time we were you know they just right. came out you know a little bit after, like holy cow it's like crazy. the year of the year of the vest yeah <laughs> it, it, it was, was crazy. crazy it's like holy cow how, <laughs> how could you know three different guys come up with you know vests that are it's different but very similar in, in the, 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 the functionality and the, and the thought process that went behind them. The one thing I think, you know, and I've, I've talked to, I've talked to you, I've talked to most of the other vest companies that we're kind of referring to, and I think they're all doing very well. And the one thing I think is kind of interesting is they're all, and I was, my mind was already made up that this was the way to go, but they're all basically 
on the strap vest platform, which I think is, that's something that just people kind of recognize as like, that's the way to go as far as like, you know, I'm sure we, most of us had, I had the old Gander Mountain vest, you know, the full deal right over the top, all your weights on your shoulders and you got a box of shells in there and it's cutting into your collarbones and stuff. I mean, everybody's in the high performance space has kind of moved away from that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we still get some people, why don't you make a vest like that? I'm like, well, because I don't want one. I mean, for yeah, one, me I mean, I, I'm not wearing it September because I'm going to sweat to death in it. And two, yeah. you know, in, in December, if I'm, if I've got a, you know, a fleece jacket, you know, a soft shell jacket on and, and that it's, it's too hot. I mean, it's, it's always too hot. No matter what yeah. the temperature is, it's always too hot. They're always made with cotton. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know anybody that's a serious hardcore bird hunter that uses that. That, yeah. that old salvest like that. I mean, I'm sure there's some guys out there that, that still get after it pretty good with that stuff, but that's not what people want. You know, that's right. not, not what my customers want. And, you know, and they're probably expensive to make in the U S as well. I, I never priced them. I mean, the, the material's cheap. I mean, they probably, you know, don't have a whole lot of money in the material, but there's a lot of sewing that goes into it still, you know, not like what you're looking at with our vests and, and the other ones that are out there, but you know, I mean, they'd still be expensive to make. So, why not keep the weight down, keep, you know, keep it more comfortable. It just makes way more sense to me. Yeah. For anybody that maybe has one of those, maybe they're starting out or whatever. And, you know, we always, a lot of times we like to say upland hunting doesn't have to be expensive, right? Just get started, do what you got to do. But I will say that if you haven't used a vest that has basically a weight bearing waist belt, go get yourself one of those. Cause that's, that's one of the biggest improvements you can make as far as your comfort in the field is get that weight on your waist, get it off your shoulders, especially when you're trying to shoot. Oh yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, just like you said, you throw a box of shells in there and if you're lucky enough to bag a couple roosters or a couple grouse, I mean, yeah. you know, they weigh some, there's some, there's some weight to that stuff. And you know, you throw a couple, you know, I mean, we, we all run dogs. Most of these guys run dogs, right? So you're always carrying probably, you know, at least 32 ounces of water on you. That's two pounds of water. You know, a box of shells is a couple pounds, a couple grouse, a couple, I mean, the next thing you know, you got 10 pounds in your, in your vest. And it, like you said, if it's just sitting on your, it weighs in your neck and your back and, yeah. you know, the, the, the new modular vests out there, I, I can't speak to the other companies, but I guarantee by looking at them, if you put the darn things on and you put them on and you, and you put them on correctly, they're going to carry all the weight on your hips. And that's, that's yeah. 90% of it right there. Yeah. Um, socks. I know you yes. guys came out with some socks last year and they have one really unique feature. I'm curious if uh, we'll talk briefly about that. Tell me about the socks. So socks are, you know, like smart wool socks, darn tough, you name it. I mean, they're, you know, yep. they're all, all socks are, are semi-created equal in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, they're, you know, there's a lot of good sock options out there. I mean, I'm a sock snob. I mean, I've, I'm always buying new socks because it's, it's amazing. You can have, you know, I've got a literally a, a, a drawer with probably 30 pairs of socks that are, you know, $20 a piece in them that, you know, but I, I get a new pair of boots and the damn sock that I always loved before is too, makes the boots feel too small or too big or whatever. Yeah. So I, so yeah. I find a new sock that I like, and then I got to buy five pairs of, them, you know, and, and, and yeah. to keep, you know, when I go on a trip and stuff like that, well, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I've learned through some of this stuff too, is, you know, the Merino wool socks, when we field tested this is you can wear those things for like five days and they just don't absorb moisture or they don't absorb stink. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I, I, our trip out to, to North Dakota with Tyler, I'm like, I'm going to wear the same pair of socks every day. It's not, it sounds disgusting, but literally after five days. And I think we walked 57 miles in, in, in our four, four full days of hunting and socks did not smell at all. And the one thing that, you know, we're, 
again, with Pike Gear, I think, you know, everybody that's looking at our stuff, they can always say we're not building stuff like anybody else is building out there. I mean, sans the vest. We, we try to make the best different than everybody else. And then <laughs> we had a couple of people that were <laughs> doing the same thing at the same time we were. But I mean, yeah. but that that aside, you know, so socks are socks. Well, you know, one thing, you know, you're in Minnesota. I mean, you have a huge problem with ticks and Lyme disease. I mean, you know, yep. huge problem. Michigan, you know, when I first started bird hunting, we, we didn't have ticks were never even mentioned. You know, and we started, yeah. And we started hearing about it probably, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And now it's, it's just commonplace. I mean, you go in the woods, Mm -hmm. I mean, you check your dog for ticks. So, you know, and, and what a lot of guys, you know, have found that, you know, they they find ticks where a lot of times in the back of their legs, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're typically on low brush and stuff like that. And so we treated all of our socks with uh, permethrin. Um, it's called a no fly. I think it's no fly zone. Um, that is our socks are treated with. And so if if you do have a tick that crawls up your boot and it gets to your sock level, it's going to fall off. I mean, it's just designed to do that. And that's, you know, kind of our, our unique feature of our socks that, you know, and there might be another company or two that's, that's doing it out there, but nobody in the hunting space is doing it. So that's the, the thing that we've, we've done differently with our socks and, you know, there, it's a good, Midweight hiking crew. It's a it's a great sock. You know, I wear them almost 365. I mean, I you know, except for I'm wearing tennis shoes. You know, they're too thick for tennis shoes. They're like a midweight sock, and you know, yeah. they're a crew crew length, and they're treated with a no fly zone. And you know, knock on wood, I didn't have any ticks crawl up my legs this year. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what I wanted to bring up is that no fly zone. The permet. I mean, permethrin. Again, if you're not familiar, it's it's. I think it's. I would go out on a limb as saying I think it's pretty much the most effective prevention slash i mean i think it'll kill ticks because i know i i will spray it on my i have there's some pet friendly permethrin sprays that i'll spray on my dogs i'll spray it on their beds and they'll get in there they'll lay down on their bed and i'll find dead ticks on it now whether they bit them and got the ingestible or whatever but permethrin works those socks have permethrin in it have you thought about putting that in in the pants or anything else i know like you can go find no fly zone pants and shirts and you'll see some turkey hunting stuff and hiking stuff that's a great question. So we, we, we explored that. The problem with the permethrin in the, the pants is you can't do a DW, a durable water repellent finish and a permethrin. So, okay. you know, we could do it in our Kiowa shirt. Um, because that's, that does not have a, a durable water repellent. That's a wicking shirt. It's at early season. So when you're perspiring it, it wicks the moisture and, and dries out quickly. Yeah. That's the only thing we could do it in. I, cause I look, cause I, I'm like you, I, I buy the permethrin and I, uh, buy it at tractor supply and I do the dilution thing. I put it in a five gallon bucket and I shove all my clothes in there and yep. let them soak for a little bit. I throw them in the dryer on the spin cycle and then I hang them out to dry. And I've been doing that for probably 10 years. And, you know, it's, it's not the most effective way. I mean, it, it lasts, they say for about five, five washings. So, um, but it's unfortunately, we can't, I mean, yeah, it, absolutely. It's better. And it, you know, I knock on wood, I haven't had any problems with it, you know, over the years of doing that stuff. And yeah. the, 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 the Sawyer stuff is the best stuff. I mean, it just doesn't smell yeah, that's the, the stuff I you use. buy at tractor yeah. supply. It does smell a little crappy, but you know, it is okay. what it is. <laughs> so do you still, so, okay. So that's cool. I figured you, you know, if you're putting it in the socks, you probably looked into putting it in the pants and everything, but it doesn't work with the DWR. But does that mean you could still dunk your pike gear pants in permethrin and still get the same effect or will it not work? Well, it, it does work. Um, it, uh, it just, you know, when you, when you, when those companies do it for you, they're good for like 60 washings. Correct. Yeah. So when, when yep. we do it, you know, I, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say I know it works. I mean, I, I've been doing it. I, I, don't, I mean, I, I can smell it. And this, so I assume that it's still there somewhat. 
Um, I don't know what it does to the DWR and this stuff. I mean, I haven't had any problems with it. You know, again, it, it's synthetic. So the, the, the DWR, the, the best thing I would tell people is, you know, after you do it, let them dry, throw them in the, throw them in the, uh, in, in your dryer and like tumble dry low, like a tennis ball. Cause it, that does two things. It helps soak it in there a little bit more, but it also, it actually helps bring that, that DWR finish. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, oh. Oh, I don't wash my, my honey pants. Well, you're, 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 you know, with our stuff, wash it, wash it, you know, wash it, you know, just regular tumble dry low that, that heat actually brings back that, that durable water repellent finish. So they'll actually, your pants will perform better when they're washed and clean than they do if they're dirty. Interesting. I didn't even know that. Okay. Yep. Same with any of your ski jackets, rain jackets, all that stuff. Yep. Safe to safe to say that. Yeah, the treating your pike gear with permethrin would be the same as treating any other thing. It's just, yeah, like you said, when you when you go buy like a limitic or no fly zone or whatever, they actually have it like bonded to the fabric, and that's that's cool. But that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, gloves. So Northcut gloves are out now, but I, you mentioned you might have some more gloves. Tell me about what you guys are yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wish I had them here to show you. So, you know, the, the thing we did with our glove is they're a shortcut glove. You know, my, my biggest complaint about every shooting glove I've, I've been wearing for, you know, we've all, everybody's pretty much gone to Garmin at this point, or, or everybody's running GPS in their dogs. Well, everybody has a Garmin that I know is running the Garmin watch too. And yeah. so all the other gloves that were out there were these long gloves and they'd either cover up your watch or you'd have to put your watch over it and impede your, your, uh, your, your shooting. So what we did is with our with our Northcut glove is we made it it's it's a short it's a shorty glove I mean it, it it comes over your wrist and it but it doesn't come up past your watch so it doesn't impede your watch at all uh, it's made with like a good petard's leather which is anybody doesn't know it it's an English leather company that does they do a, they have a special process of oil impregnating the leather so it it they. I mean, they're going to get wet, just like it's leather, right? You know, like our clothing, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. absorb it like the other stuff does. And they, they they have a nice tack to them and they're just, you know, real, they use nothing but the best cuts of leather on all their stuff. So that's, that's kind of where the, that yeah. stuff comes in. And then the, the back of the gloves is made with a stretch component, nylon fabric from Torre as well. So it's again, you know, if you're stretch, stretching your hands and stuff like that, it stretches with you. The gloves are one thing I want to tell people that have bought the glove. A few people bought it. Oh, they're, they're too small. I'm like, put them on and wear them for 15 minutes before you, before you send them in. Cause they're designed to be snug. I mean, these things are like a second skin. I mean, they're, they're almost tough to put on at first, but boy, once you get them on, they're like, wow, I mean, you can pick up dimes of these things off the floor. I mean, they're that, yeah. there's, you know, that much dexterity to them. The other thing we did is we actually added uh, conductive panels to the, the middle finger and the thumb. So if you're using your smartphone, that's good. Yeah, because I mean, how, how often have you used other gloves? Where you're like, oh man, I got to take. Or you're using Here's your me in the field. Yeah, you know, taking my taking my gloves off with my teeth to try to use my look at my right. Onyx. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. So and we did it with the middle finger and the thumb. And a lot of people, why did you put it on the index finger? It's like, that's a great question. We did not do it on the index finger because that conductive panel is not nearly as strong as Pitaric leather. And if you put it on your trigger finger, you'd wear it out. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you yep. just yeah, just use your middle finger on the map. Cool. Yep. Yep. And it's on the thumb too. Are you going to do another glove then? Like maybe we a are. One or something? Yeah. So we've got two more gloves that are in prototype right now. They're about 90% okay. done. I don't want to share too okay. much about them, but I mean, that's cool. They're, they're going to be sweet. I mean, they're going to be, you know, again, fitting what, what people are looking for from a functionality standpoint. And yeah, I mean, you can probably guess, I mean, we're going to have, you know, a, a waterproof glove, obviously, 
And then sure. we're going to have something that's going to be a little bit warmer. You know, we're, we're, yeah. we're trying to figure out how to make a, I think we've got to figure it figured out. A, a warm glove that's still thin and not bulky. And we've we all tried to shoot with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, we, I think we've got that figured out. And when I, when I get some prototypes in, I'll get, I'll get you a pair to test them out. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, we, we kind of ran through the lineup and again, I think a lot of folks will be familiar, but hopefully we, we keyed in on some, some features and maybe some things that people didn't know. Is there anything else? Like I would be curious because I know you guys are really close to your consumers. I mean, you're talking to them. You you guys are d- basically direct to consumer, so you're getting the feedback loop, and that's all established. Are you? What are you hearing from people? I know people are loving the stuff. What are you hearing? Are people clamoring for anything else? Like we've kind of touched on the things that they're telling you they need. Um, not really. I mean, th- we've got a jacket coming out this fall that I think is going to be okay. an absolute game changer for you know the bird okay. hunter that wants a a lightweight, durable, waterproof, breathable jacket, you know, that has a pocket configuration that will work with strap vests. So that's always been the, the bitch of, of jackets, right? You know, you put a jacket on and you know, the, the pockets are hidden under, yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, so we've got a, we've got that coming out. I mean, you know, I, I think I've got a pretty good pulse. I mean, I'm, I'm always listening to people. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, I got a funny story for you. So I hope we got a few seconds here to tell you this. So, oh yeah, we're I, good. All right, I, I had a, a friend of a friend call me up, and he wanted to go uh, bow hunting on our our quail lease out in Oklahoma. And he starts telling me, you know, oh, you you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm like, okay, okay. And 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 his his biggest idea is like, here's here's the best idea for you. You need to come up with a Kevlar jacket. I'm like, <laughs> why, why? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Why, why Kevlar? Uh, yeah. Why I've been out bird hunting twice and I've been shot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, here's a better Sadly, idea. Sadly, well, it happens more often than we'd like to admit, but <laughs> it does. It does. And I said, well, I think I, if I was shot, tw- and he said, was shot by the same guy twice. Oh boy! And I'm oh, like, boy. I think I'd find new hunting partners. I said, you know, I said yeah. there, there isn't seem to be, a, there doesn't seem to be a real strong market for a uh, Kevlar hunting jacket that would a probably cost you know eight or nine hundred dollars to 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 make. And, and B would weigh probably, you know, to get to be bullet. I mean, people, it's not, it's not the Kevlar weave that's so much bulletproof. It's, it's, you know, all the other things they do to it, to, you know, yeah. it would not be very yeah. comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I was like, oh God, you know, it's like some people have some great ideas on how to do things and, and not to my own horn, but most ideas that people come to me, they're like, yeah, I've thought about that and we can't do it this way. You know, I mean, sure. there's, I yeah. mean, I, you know, I mean, I've got a pretty strong group of buddies that, you know, spend lots of time in the field, but I mean, that doesn't just, you know, I, I still would encourage people, if you got an idea on something, you know, let me know. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, unapproachable on that stuff. I mean, I'm always looking for new ideas yeah. to do things. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's upland bird hunting and it's, it's evolving a little bit, but, you know, we, you know, we, we have kind of the idea of what we need. We need good pants. We need, you know, good shirts. We need a strap vest gloves, you know, I mean, there's, there's not tons of other stuff we necessarily need to have in that, in that field. So, you know, we're just trying to make what we've got better and, you know, come up with some, some new ideas and some things. And if somebody has an idea for something, I'd love to hear it, you know? Yeah. Ultimately that's how things get better when people provide the feedback and, and, uh, manufacturers are paying attention. But again, I, I mean, I know, I know a, a bunch of the people that you had, they were wearing pike gear before you were even selling it. And I mean, amongst that group and like the experience level, like you, you got the basics covered. It's that 80, 20 rule. Like most of what upland hunters are looking for are covered. And from here on out, it's kind of like advancing in technology or fabrics and then just making small tweaks really. Yeah. And that's the nice thing. We're, we're kind of the point now where we're, you know, we've got a pretty good 
base of clothing. I mean, we're going to add obviously new things to it, jackets, you know, yeah. some beanies, uh, you know, but I mean, and it's just at this point, it's about tweaking it, you know, I mean, Hey, is there a new, better facing that's out there? That's, you know, mm-hmm. lighter weight, you know, more durable things like that. I mean, you know, certainly we'll do that stuff. And if, you know, and, and yeah, somebody has, has some unique idea I never thought of. I mean, love to hear it, but you know, it's it, at the same point, some of that stuff is so unique that it's like, you know, it, it's a hard sell for people. I mean, even, you know, people, a lot of times will pick up our, our pants and say, Oh, this will never work for bird hunting. It's too lightweight. I mean, they, they literally, they, they can't get past that. It's yeah. this lightweight and durable. I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a leap of faith for some of these people to, to think that. And then they're like, they, once they try it, I mean, we've had, I can't think of anybody that's, call back and complained about, you know, stuff not work, performing to the level that they wanted it to. The touch sensor thing is kind of funny. Cause like, if you, if you would think about like, you go back 10 years and you would have said, Hey, I designed these gloves and they have touch sensor. People would have been like, what for? But now <laughs> I hear that. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's we're all using our phones and we're mapping and yeah. So stuff like that can happen where you, you innovate a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know that anybody else in the upland yeah. space is using the, the conductive panels on their gloves. Um, you know, and it, it, it was a big deal for me. Yeah. I had a, I had a listener reach out cause I think I was talking about some gloves and I said, you know, I kind of liked them, but they, I can't use my phone. Right. And he actually reached out and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say on the podcast, go buy some Northcut gloves. Don't worry about this, but he, he <laughs> sent me this, this conductive thread that you could buy on Amazon and you could stitch it into the finger of your, of your glove. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty clever. There's actually uh, a paint that you could put on. I bought some for some gloves that I have. It doesn't stick. If, if, oh, the, okay. if, if the gloves are have any type of like an oil tan treatment to them, that that conducive paint just wears right off. I tried them on okay. uh, some other gloves that are, um, you know, some nice gloves that I bought, and they just it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I we're gonna wrap up here pretty quickly, but I wanted to touch on not necessarily going through like the whole sizing thing, but let's say people are because you're going direct to consumers and you're not in stores and stuff. People are curious about sizing. What should they do? And then like, what options do they have as far as like ordering two sizes and sending you back one? How do they go about it? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, and that's, you know, something we, we certainly would love to be able to have like a traveling road show at some point where right. we can do that. Yeah. And, but uh, at, at this point, you know, it, it's the best we can do is just tell people that we've worked really hard on the fit of things. And, you know, I mean, I, I, we, we get very few returns on our stuff. I mean, if you wear a, a 38 jean, I can almost guarantee that, you know, you're going to wear a 38 in our pants, you know, and if you wear an extra large top, it's, it's going to be an extra large top. I mean, it's, it's, that would be the the one thing I tell people is, you know, and, and if you, if it doesn't fit, send it back to us, we'll send you the other stuff for free. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's pretty simple. If you just send it back to us with, you know, we've got a form on our website, you know, Hey, this, this shirt's too big, this shirt's too small. You know, I'll just go back in and create another order for you. I'll, you know, and and, and send you send you the, the the correct size stuff. So I mean, yeah. it's I would tell people don't order two. I mean, and that's a selfish standpoint on my part, just because we don't have tons of inventory. I mean, we're building stuff yeah. as fast as we possibly can. You know, and you're gonna have to pay shipping and handling to get it to get it back to me. Yeah, then you're guaranteeing that you got to send one back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and and we, you know, so that would be I would tell people just buy what you think. If you're if you're in between size go up, um, you know, and the, the shirts, the, the thing that people will realize that, you know, with the stretch component fabric, if it's off just a little bit on the, the small side, it, it, the stretch helps, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, you, you know, forgiveness, right, right. And, you know, you're a tall, skinny guy, you know, you got long arms, you know, that you, you probably noticed with our Kiowa shirt, you know, we, we made it a little bit longer in the torso. So it stays tucked in. 
Nothing I hate yep. more than shirts yep. that can get untucked. And we also made the yep. sleeve length just a touch longer. So when you're going up, you know, and, and pulling your gun up, it you got that extra sleeve length. The other thing is, is I mean, you use those old cotton shirts and you go up. I mean, it, and it sticks. I mean, you're it really yeah, you're binding your, and you're yep. absolutely and with the stretch fabric. I mean, there's nothing better for shooting than having a stretch component shirt on top. I guarantee you that much. Yeah, I was able to successfully mount my gun and and down a few birds with the with the Kiowa shirt, so I nice. can attest to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, just a few times. <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate the time. And before we totally wrap up, we got some pretty exciting stuff. I will have already mentioned this in the intro, so people will be eagerly awaiting this. But we're giving away. We got a hell of a giveaway for the for the listeners here. And thanks to thanks to Brent Pike uh, for contributing a a wingman vest. Uh, yes. of your cho- size, size and choice or choice of size. And, uh, we'll even throw in a uh, water bottle holder and water bottles with it as well. So you just, uh, whatever size you need, we'll, we'll, uh, get it out to you. And Nick, what are you going to contribute? Awesome. Complete wingman vest. <laughs> and on our side of things, and this is a, this is a Garmin giveaway, but Brent is also a Garmin dealer. We talked about Garmin a little bit in this episode, but we've got the Garmin zero S one shooting trainer, which I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks thousand dollar piece of equipment here it's on sale 20 percent off during april but again one lucky winner is going to be uh very happy with their garmin zero s1 clay shooting trainer and a pike gear wingman vest so for folks to enter that i will explain all the details in the intro but you're basically going to go to the productupton.com website click on a link to enter the giveaway fill out some information your email and brent and i will randomly select one lucky winner and that person will be super pumped Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Sweet. I wish I could enter it myself just to win the, the, the garment. Yeah, man. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I got the yeah, wingman exactly. vest. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and chat with me and the listeners of Project Up and Podcast. I'm uh, I'm excited for what you have going on at Pike Gear. I love seeing all of these companies, you know, we referred to a few of them and kind of all these people putting their time, blood, sweat, and tears into making Upland hunters have more options and, and making our experience better. Can't thank you enough, man. And I know the listeners appreciate it too. Hey, thanks for having me on. I, you know, anytime I can talk bird hunting in April, you know, right. it's, it's always a good day for me. It's, you know, this is kind of the, the doldrums for us here for the next three months until, you know, the quiet season gets lifted and we can start, uh, you know, running dogs again and start getting, getting them yeah. back in shape. So it's, it's, it's always fun to be able to sit down and talk with a fellow hardcore bird hunter that, you know, gets it and wants to talk about it. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. So pikegear.com. Uh, yep. Pikegear, Y-P-Y-K-E, gear.com yeah. is our uh, site and uh, check it out. And if, like I said, if you have any questions, you know, my phone number's on there, you know, we're a small company cool. we're growing up by leaps and bounds, but if you have any questions on gear, you know, I'm always available to chat with people and, uh, we have a app on the website as well too, that you can, you can ping us. And, you know, if I'm available, I'll, I'm the one that answers those pings. So, uh, give us a shout. Love it. Good customer service at bike here. I will say when I've ordered a few things off the website and you always like, you get an email instantly telling you when it's coming, when it's shipping, all that stuff, you guys, you kind of did a lot of stuff on the front end to make the, the buying experience very seamless. Yeah, we try. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I mean, again, that's that's one area that, you know, I, I lose sleepovers. I want to make sure that, you know, we never have a customer that says that, you know, I treated them poorly and they weren't happy with their gear. So we, we work really hard on that. And, you know, we're always looking for, you know, positive reviews and that stuff. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to, to deliver, you know, premium products and premium customer service to our to our customers. 
Good stuff, man. Keep up the great work. Best of luck to you and the Pike Gear team. I'm sure we'll we'll our paths will cross when we can start doing some more shows and gatherings and stuff. Looking forward to it. But have a great off season. Me too. We'll talk soon, man. All right, take care. All right, see you, Brian. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. That does it for this episode of the show. A quick reminder that the Project Upland Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Sporting Dog, CZ USA, Garmin, Sage and Breaker, and Dakota 283. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe or follow the show in your podcast app. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.